Christmas has become very commercial, and I'm not frankly worried about what it has become. And I don't want you to stress out about all the things that the kind of marketing would try to tell you you need to buy at this point, that you need to have your, your house lit with all these lights. You can if you want to. I do like the idea of light coming into this world and Jesus representing the light. And so my house will be lit up. So I'm gonna give Edison his portion every December. I'm gonna give Edison's electricity. I'm gonna make sure that they have all the money that they want. If you want to celebrate the Christ by, by showing that there's green and life in the middle of winter, and so you put up a tree, go ahead. <laughs> if you want to go ahead and give gifts because the greatest gift was given to us, go ahead. I like the idea. I like the idea of celebrating Jesus in any way I can. He is the gift to us. The scripture says in John 3:16, one of my favorite verses, for God so loved the world that he gave. Yeah? So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, his only son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish. He gave his son so that you could just simply believe and not die. Like that's the gift. That's a gift we cannot replicate. That's a gift we cannot ever live up to, but that's the nature of the gift. You don't have to pay for it. It's the nature of a gift, and I love the gift, and I love the replication we try to do in giving each other gifts. That we would give each other gifts that would represent our love each to each other. And I'm grateful today for being together. I'm grateful for all the, all the houses that are represented here, for everybody's, everybody's moment and your time. I'm so grateful for it. Uh, one of the things I really wanted to talk about today, we've been talking about kind of fear and kind of how we overcome fear and how we can trust in God. But one of the things that kind of remind me at Christmas that I think is really important is that he sent a gift into the world to save us from inside the world. Like, uh, I think I've used this analogy before, but it's like I break into prison to break you out of prison. Right, so Jesus represents a something, a kind of almost like a Trojan horse, as it were. Like the, the, the Greek kind of uh, story about the Trojan horse is that the city of Troy was a powerful place and the walls were incredibly tall and no one could impregnate the city. And the only way they did it in the end was to put what they thought was a gift outside of the, 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 the city gates. They left it there and the Trojans thought it was, and the Trojans thought it, the Troy, people of Troy thought it was a gift and brought it inside. Instead, it wasn't actually a gift. <laughs> it was, uh, the Trojans were, soldiers were in, the soldiers from across the sea were inside the horse and they broke out and they kind of let the people in and took over the city. What do I say that? This world <laughs> had to be tricked to let the Jesus in. Like, to save us from the world, the Lord didn't come, like he could have just spoken a word and all powerfully took it over, but instead he introduced it like a small child and as a gift to the world, but it's a gift that you don't see coming unless you read scripture. Like you could have missed this gift if you weren't looking in the right location. But the reason why we need this gift is because I think this gift combats our very real problem of being alone. Like one of the worst things you can feel is lonely. Like even a child when it's first 
comes from, into the world, one of the first things they try to do is give the child to the mother and let them be close together. They want to make sure that when the child comes in the world that they don't feel alone. They feel the warmth of the mother. They feel the voice, hear the voice of the mother. The idea of loneliness has been described by sociologists and psychologists as a social pain. Like it's a pain we feel to be alone. I don't know if you've ever, when you've thought about when you're the most scared, it's probably in a situation where you don't have help and don't have friends around you. It's because you feel like you're by yourself and whatever you're going through, you have to face by yourself. And the Lord is telling you today, you are not alone. He has already come into the world for you. I need you to understand something in the scripture. I'm going to read a, repeat a scripture the minister read earlier. Uh, but it's important for us to understand we are not alone. And more importantly than we are not alone is who in fact is with us. Like God is with us. Let me read the scripture here into your hearing. It's in St. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. St. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 through 25. This is the classical story and retelling of the birth of Jesus Christ. Right after, um, they go through the genealogies of Jesus, um, but I'm going to skip that if I can and go straight to verse 18 of St. Matthew chapter 1. And it reads this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Verse 21 reads, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Jesus. Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Verse 24, then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. I was looking at this this week. I love this scripture so much. Um, what what really was impressed upon me was the two names that was mentioned in here. Um, I've often looked at St. Matthew as being a, the gospel that was primarily written to our Jewish Christian brothers and sisters. They were the ones who were Jewish but yet believing on Christ. The ones believing on the Christ but they were Jewish. And the reason why I say that is when you look through the book of Matthew, you will constantly see him, Matthew repeat, the prophet said this, and Jesus did this. Like, he was trying to show them your prophets that have been preaching and teaching all these hundreds and thousands of years, everything they've been saying is now fulfilled in Christ. He was trying to show them that this 
man Jesus is in fact the Messiah. We've been talking about him for years that he will come. And in this particular scripture, he quotes from Isaiah chapter 7. And if I can just read that into your hearing, maybe you'll see the, the relationship. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 reads, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. This will be the sign from the Lord. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We're back at this name Emmanuel and I'm going to get into what Emmanuel means. And in fact, the scripture tells us quite clearly that Emmanuel is interpreted as God with us. If you look at the word Emmanuel, it's actually three words pushed together in one to make this word Emmanuel. Emmanu means with us. Imanu means with us. It's Hebrew for with us. And Emmanuel, the L part, is El, the short part of Elohim, which is God. With us, God. That's exactly what it means. With us, God, or more in an English firm, God is with us. Yeah? So if you notice, Matthew picks up in the New Testament as the first gospel of the New Testament. But Malachi ends the Old Testament. And there is this period of hundreds of years where no one's really hearing from prophets. There is a darkness, as it were, on the land for the word of God. Like no one's hearing or we're not really recording what is happening in regards to the God's relationship with us. And, but yet, at the right time, at the right moment in this small town, something very special is about to happen. All this darkness that's in this world, all this silence that's in this world is about to get completely undone. Because if you think about it, not hearing from anybody and not seeing anybody is just like being alone. Right? So in this world, this world who's not hearing from God and not seeing God is essentially alone. Everybody's alone. Everybody's feeling it deep in them. But they've been holding on to this idea that at some point, God will be with us. So they've been waiting. And if, you, if, you, if there's any part of you that remembers anything that I said in the past, you will remember that the Egyptians, when the children of Israel were in Egypt, they had a similar situation. They were under kibosh and they weren't hearing from God. And then Moses burst onto the scene with all they can handle with the Lord himself. And this is exactly what is happening in this moment. The people of God haven't been hearing in the way that they expect to hear from God. But then the prophet comes and says, God is going to be with us. You're going to call him name Emmanuel, God with us. So now we see that this, this man Jesus, this boy, this baby boy, is kind of born into this world. I, you know what I find fascinating about this? If I was trying to help somebody, maybe I'd make a big deal out of it. But that's not the way Jesus comes into the scene. He comes into the most humble home. He comes in the most vulnerable way. He's not even into a household that's a married household. He comes in and he, um, and he comes in such a way that the king and the established people at the time think that he's, he's against them, right? He's at his, in, at his inception and at his birth, 
he's very much against, set up against the established people that were there. So right now, when we think about our own lives, when we think about what we are going through, and think about the fact that sometimes it looks like we are on the way down, I need you to understand that this is just how it begins, but this isn't how it ends. Like, this might be the beginning of it, but this isn't how it's going to end. Let me read just that first bit of the scripture back to you in again. Verse 22, now all this was done. Isaiah, Matthew's trying to tell you all this is done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So now that God is with us, the question is, why do we feel alone? We need to start orientating our mind to realize that God is actually with us. <laughs> like we need to start reorienting the way we think about this. Can you imagine if they really knew what was going on at this moment? How they would have rejoiced to understand that God is actually here with us. We've been alone this whole time, but now I'm not alone anymore. God is with us. But then he also says, I want you to call his name. That's how we're going to refer to him is by Emmanuel. But I need you to call him Jesus. Jesus is the Greek word for the name that is a Hebrew name, which is Yeshua or Joshua. Right? It's the same name. And Yeshua and Joshua is God our salvation. Right? So the two ways we get to know who God is, is I am with you and you are my salvation. Like it doesn't just stop with I am with you because not being, being not lonely anymore and being with somebody who can't help basically isn't very helpful at all. Like when I'm not, when I want some help, I need something help from somebody who has the ability to actually do something about it. <laughs> You may as well be alone if I can't help. <laughs> like, I'm telling you right now, don't call me if your car is broken. <laughs> like, you may as well be on your own. Like, if you are stuck on the side of the road, we are gonna be stuck on the side of the road together. Right? That's all that you did right there, is get two people stuck on the side of the road. <laughs> you need somebody with you who can save you. So the angel comes to Joseph and says, I've got two things to tell you right now. God's going to be with you, and God can save you. He wants to make it abundantly clear who I'm sending you is going to fix it. <laughs> Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. When I was reading the scripture, knowing what I know about Matthew, knowing what I know that this is for a Jewish audience, it's also for us too. I don't want to be very clear, because the Jewish people who are reading this would know exactly what Emmanuel meant. It's a Hebrew word. But there's also an audience that are also being shown this scripture, and it is us. We don't know what Emmanuel means by, I mean, I probably, you probably remember from your Sunday school, <laughs> but I have to kind of remind you what Emmanuel means. 
The scripture's letting you know this is for you who don't know what Emmanuel means. Like, it's saying interpreting this word. If I was to tell you a word in another language and you don't speak that language, I have to tell you the translation. And basically they're saying, yes, my Jewish audience know exactly what this means, but us, we have no clue. So I'm gonna interpret this for you. Emmanuel means God with us. Which means this gospel wasn't just for the people who he was born into. It was made for all of us. Every single one of us who are hearing the gospel gets to enjoy salvation and to know that we are not alone. I always get confident. One of the things I I realize um, uh, that social media tries to address is this feeling of being lonely. People often sometimes have this feeling of lonely. I know sometimes it's triggered during this, this, um, this Christmas periods. Folks kind of who, you know, used to having family around and their family's not around anymore. Um, it kind of brings up those feelings that I, I should be around my family, right? Because it's encouraging this idea that you're not supposed to be alone. And, and the scripture's trying to let the people know that you've been in darkness for long enough. Like you've been in jail for long enough and the freedom is here right now. Yes, yes, yes. And so every time you see, if you go through Luke especially, you'll see the Holy Spirit moving and informing people that this is the Jesus you've all been waiting for. This is him who we've been speaking about for years upon years, all the way back from the garden. In fact, if you remember in the garden, uh, right after... um, the Lord creates Adam. He, he says, uh, it's not good for man to be a, it's not good for a man to be alone. He recognizes it immediately. It's not good for you to be alone. <laughs> and so what this Emmanuel is, is an antidote to this original problem. What Emmanuel is, what God with us is, is an antidote to the original problem. <laughs> He fixed the physical side by creating Eve. But then sin, when sin was introduced, we broke communion with God. (laughs) And now we weren't alone physically, but we were alone spiritually. You see that? And now that we're alone spiritually, the Lord is saying, I'm gonna fix what was broken by sin, by sending my son in. And you have no reason to be feel alone or lonely again. But the scripture goes on to say that we are ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives for Christ. So then what am I saying to you? You have a responsibility now with the peace of Christ that is in you to bring that Christ with you into every situation. There's gonna be households that are lonely and isolated. And our job is to get a piece of the Christ into that loneliness. There's going to be houses and homes with darkness in it. And our job is to get the light of Christ into those homes. To break the yoke of sin that is inside the homes. Our job is to speak to our friends and make sure that they understand that the Christ is with us. And so he is with you. And you can get out of the situation you're in. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Behold, a virgin shall breathe with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And knew her not until she was born, forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus, this Yeshua, 
this. God is our salvation. So now we recognize that this is salvation. He's telling him through the names. And we don't have that tradition so much in, in the European context. We don't really have that kind of um, idea where your name means something. When we speak a name in this context, it's supposed to have impact on who you are. Like we don't just, they don't just name folk. They name them with an intent of who and what they are. And the message from heaven is, you are not alone, and you now have salvation. You know the funny thing is about um, when, you, when, when folks have children, the intent is that you protect them, that you are responsible for them. This is the first time in human history that a child comes in and has responsibility for everybody else. Like, he's born into this world, <laughs> and as a gift to the world, bears responsibility for everybody. This is the first time that happens, where we reverse roles and parents become children, and children become parents, and instead of you looking after them, they are designed to look after you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It says, now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, this is chapter 2, of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east, to Jerusalem saying where is he that is born king of the Jews for we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him when Herod the king had heard these things he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him verse 4 and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together he demanded of them where Christ should be born and they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets. Now, the, the understanding of the, the scripture is that if a Messiah is going to be born, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Yes, and Herod is using this not because he wants to worship him, but because he doesn't want to have his power taken from him. Yes. So he's using scripture not to help uh, himself or others, yes. but to destroy what is the legacy of the Christ and the Messiah. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophets, and thou, behold, and, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. Verse 10, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Verse 11. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto, him, presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country. So these wise men had come from the east and had seen a sign that the Christ was to be born, this Messiah was going to be born. And Herod thought, yeah, I want to use this as an opportunity to find out where he is and do what I need to do to get at Jesus, not to worship him, but in fact to destroy him. But the wise men 
came to Jesus and all they could do when they were in the presence of this child, remember they just left King Herod. And we never heard in the scripture them talk about worshiping King Herod not once. They went to King Herod, but they didn't give him anything that was resembling worship or praise. But in the presence of this child, in the presence of this child, who I have to assume can't even change his own clothes, in the presence of this child who can't even feed himself, in the presence of this child, they think the most appropriate thing they can do is to start to worship him. These are wise men, these are learned men, these are men who know things. And the thing they are thinking to themselves when they see Jesus, the very first thing they assume they should do is worship. <laughs> Even in his infancy, we see somebody who's worthy of praise. Even before he sacrifices himself at the cross, we see somebody who is worthy of praise. Even before he does his first miracle, we see somebody who is worthy of the praise. I'm here to tell you, before he woke you up this morning, he was worthy. Before he saved your soul, he was worthy. <laughs> before he got you that job, he was worthy. <laughs> Before he got you that house and that car, he was worthy. They didn't even wait to see what he could do. They didn't wait for his potential. They didn't wait for his, his come up or his day. They said, this child. They said, they must have gone through, well, what do we have? Gold, frankincense and myrrh. That's all we've got, that's all we're gonna give. I don't care how much you've got, how little you've got. Like it doesn't even seem, frankincense and myrrh don't even seem that appropriate. Gold, I get. That one is obvious. Frankincense and myrrh, I'm not sure about those two gifts. But if that's what you've got, give it. Like whatever you, you're like, I'm not worried. I, I, I don't think I sing that well. I don't think I play the music that well, but that's what I've got. That's what I'm gonna give. <laughs> I definitely can't dance. But what I've got, I'm gonna give. If you've got some gold to give, give it. If you've got your frankincense and your myrrh, you give it. <laughs> and I don't need you to wait till he becomes the Messiah who's feeding 5,000. If you know who he is now, worship him now. <laughs> That's why it doesn't take for a lot for me to get excited and to worship God. Because while I may not see a miracle today, I'm gonna to feel one and see one soon. At some point, at some point. Yes, sir. Come on, sir. Yes, sir. And so now I sit yes, in this moment. Come on, sir. Yes, yes. And I say, Lord, things aren't going so well. They've, you know, the wise men have arrived at this moment, having been threatened by this man, saying, I need you to tell me where this guy is. Yeah, I'll come and worship him. But they know what's up. And in fact, the Holy Spirit is about to go tell them what's up about this right now. Don't go back and tell him nothing. He means no good. <laughs> but they've come with an intent. Again, brought into the presence of God. How? By curiosity. They see a star in the east. And they are curious, just like Moses was curious. 
just like you know you hear a song and that sounds good let me go see what they're singing about <laughs> they're making a lot of noise in there let me see what they're talking about why are they so enthusiastic I'm curious these wise men got into the presence of God and be and ended up being the first worshippers <laughs> of this living Christ they're not even from they're not even from there they're not even from the town. They don't know what Bethlehem is. But they've come in here, saw a star, curious, followed the star, and ended up worshipping God. <laughs> Who would have thought curiosity would have made the first worshippers come in and see Jesus and see him as king immediately? Hallelujah, glory to God. That's what we have to do. I'm coming to church with an expectation. There's something in it for me. There's something in it for me. There's something in it for me I can pass on to somebody else and my curiosity is gonna lead me into worship and my worship is gonna lead me to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I don't care if all I have is myrrh, all I have is frankincense. Maybe the guy with gold felt he was good. But the guy with frankincense and myrrh was probably, you know, this is what we've got. I don't care what it is you've come in with today. I want you to recognize you're in the presence of the king and to give him the worship he's due. Whatever it is you've got. It doesn't matter how small it is. It doesn't matter how big it is. Let's give it to him. Here's the thing about Jesus now at this moment. I'm coming down. It gives me a few more minutes. The scripture tells us in verse 13, and when they departed, that is the wise men departed, behold the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. Yes. Isn't it fascinating, there's a, there's a connection here that Moses was fleeing Egypt to get out of his trouble and Jesus was fleeing to Egypt to get out of the trouble. And it doesn't matter what side of the equation you're on, whether you are, you know, whether you're in the middle of your miracle and you're feeling exuberant, whether you're on the run because what is overcoming you is too much for you, I want you to know that the Lord is ordering your steps. Like the Lord is sending him out of what should have been his safe place into this Egyptian country, and he's saying you're gonna be safe there for a while because your people aren't ready to receive you. Those wise men who came, they were from another country and they received you, but they're the only ones who are receiving you right now. So I need you to get up and go to Egypt, a foreign place, and I need you to go there and get safety there. This also speaks to who is being spoken to. Emmanuel needs to be interpreted for me because I'm not where from Jesus is. And Jesus ends up getting up and going to this country that doesn't know who he is and doesn't know what the prophet said. And his name is Jesus and Emmanuel. And I can only imagine that where he was, there may have been people there who recognized something different about who Jesus is and just worshiped him. Like and just gave thanks for him. So it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter which country you're out of, what language you speak. It doesn't matter what heritage you have, whether you understand who Jesus is or not. If you recognize him, 
you can give him gifts. It doesn't matter if you're from a different place that speaks a different language and doesn't understand who Isaiah is or what Jeremiah is or the Genesis is. As long as you understand that this child is king of glory, that God is with us, whatever you have to give him, he's with us. And whatever I can give him, I'm going to give him. I'm encouraging you saints that as you leave this place, the scripture goes on to say that he is the light of the world. In John, in St. John chapter 1, it says, in him was light and the light was the life of the world. In you right now is just a portion of that light, just a little bit, not the whole thing. We're not Jesus himself, but we have a portion of the light. And I'm encouraging you as you go out from here today, bring his light with you. Bring his light into your cousins' homes. Bring your light, bring his light into your brothers' and sisters' homes, into your friends' homes, into your schools, into your job. They need his light. And maybe when they see his light in you, they will worship him. May the Lord have a blessing to this word in the name of the Lord Jesus.